0: let me pray and then we'll start thinking about the book of exodus as a whole father we are so grateful that you have not you're not hidden um so often we can think of you as so far away but you've come close you've made yourself known we don't have to guess what you're like we don't have to make stuff up that'd be useless we're so thankful that you you tell us what you like you you show us what you're like And we have Bibles open tonight, and so we're grateful to be able to read and understand your word. We pray for your Holy Spirit's help. Lord, we don't want this just to be intellectual. We can't just understand you by by ourselves. We desperately need you. We also need each other, and so I'm thankful that we have each other as a church family to help each other understand the Bible. So please teach us. Show us more of who you are and who your son Jesus is. And I pray you'd help us to delight in you, Lord. We want to love you more and live for you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. How do you know what somebody is like? You could ask somebody to write a list of their characteristics, like on a like a dating website or something like that. Um, You know, I like fluffy kittens and pina coladas and getting caught in the rain and things like. You know, you could describe what you're like and have a little bio. But much more powerful than just a description, much more revealing, are real-life stories, examples of what somebody does that shows what they're like. So if you're in a job interview, um, often if a job interview is good, they, will, they, they won't settle for you just to say, hey, I'm a good team player. They'll say something like, can you give us an example of a time where you um, helped in, um, resolve conflicts in a team? They're like, don't just tell me you're good in a team. Show me. Give me a story that shows me that you can do this. Then you really get to know someone. If you want to see what someone's made of, you say, don't just tell me. Show me. Now, it can be hard in life as Christians to believe and trust in God. It's hard. When we're suffering, for example, being just told by people, oh, God is good, while you're going through hard times, doesn't always feel like enough. Maybe we're feeling... Enslaved by doing wrong, sin, and we just can't shake it. And people say, Oh, God is powerful. And just being told that doesn't always feel enough. We need more than just to be told stuff about God. We want to see it in action. Don't just tell me. Show me. Don't just tell me God's powerful. Don't just tell me He keeps His promises. Show me. Because seeing someone in action, that really reveals what they're like. In Exodus, God says, I'm not just going to tell you what I'm like, that I'm good, that I'm powerful, that I'm loving. He says, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. And this is our theme for the whole of Exodus. And we have it on our title slide. It's on your thing. Exodus is all about God revealing through rescue. So every week we're going to talk about that. God revealing through rescue. That's our headline for the whole book. God reveals who he is, and what he's like by doing something amazing. In Exodus, rescuing the people of Israel out of Egypt. And as he does this, he shows us in awesome and vibrant colour who he is, what he's like as he acts, as he does something, and he shows us what it means to be his people. In fact, this is how we're going to split up Exodus into two parts. And you'll see this on, the, um, on this inside page here as well. Part one of Exodus asks this question, who is the Lord? And the answer is, then you will know. Okay, that's going to make sense in a moment. So part one is all about God. Who is the Lord? Answer, then you will know. Turn with me to Exodus chapter five. We're going to do a bit of flicking around. I want to give you some big picture stuff. We work hard at focus. I know it's been a long day, but we we work hard at getting into the Bible, stretching our minds, stretching our hearts. So Exodus 5 verse 2 on page 61. And this is where we, got, we get this question from, this who is the Lord question. This is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, talking to Moses. Exodus 5 verse 2. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? that I should obey him and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. So that's the big question. Who is this God? And God says, I'm not just going to tell you. I'm going to show you. Let me show you when he does that. He does this all the way through Exodus. Turn over the page to Exodus 6, verse 7. Key verse, Exodus 6, 7. Here's where the then you will know bit comes in. Who's this God? Exodus 6 verse 7. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. I'm going to rescue you. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I'm going to give you some more. 7 verse 5 over on the next page. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. See the repetition? Repetition. Then you will know. Then the Egyptians will know. Turn over to chapter 12, verse 2. Oh, that's not right. Uh, 12, verse 12. Page 68. Um, We'll come to this. This is the Passover. On the same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I'll bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. God's going to do something, and he's showing, I am the Lord. Next one, 14 verse 4. This is talking about the Red Sea. Who is this God? He's not just going to tell you, he's going to show you. 14 verse 4, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, but I will gain glory for for myself through Pharaoh, and all his army and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Who is the Lord? Then you'll know. I'm going to do something and show you. Last one, 18, verse 11. This is at the end of the rescue. God's journal is revealing through rescue and Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, says, chapter 18, verse 11, page 76, verse 11, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Do you see the repeated theme? Israel are going to see, Egypt will see, and we will see who God is when he rescues his people. That he's holy, that he's awesome and powerful and loving. So part one, it's all about the God of rescue. He reveals who he is, then you'll know who he is. Part two asks a different question. Well, who are his people? Who are God's people? Then you will be. <coughs> Chapter 19 Is the hinge. This splits the book in half. Turn over to chapter 19. Oh, we're already there. That's brilliant. Page 76. So now we get God's people gathered. This will make sense as we go through, don't worry. But I just want you to see where where I'm getting these sections from. Who are his people? 19 verse 5. Now, this is God talking to the people. They've just been rescued. If you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasure possession. Although the whole earth is mine, mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Who are his people? Then you will be. The second half of the book is all about who God's rescued people are. Part one's all about God. Who is he? Revealed through rescue. Part two is all about his people. Now they've been rescued. God doesn't just tell us who he is. He doesn't just tell us who we are as God's people. He shows us through mighty acts. But also, the Exodus rescue is a shadow of the ultimate rescue to come in Christ. So this is in the Old Testament. In fact, this is slap banger. You know, this is the beginning of the Old Testament. We've just had Genesis. This is only the second book. But even here, this is pointing forward to the big climax of the whole Bible, which is Jesus and his rescue not Israel out of Egypt but his rescue of us turn over to Hebrews 2 this is over in the New Testament Hebrews chapter 2 on page 1202 We're in the New Testament now where Jesus has shown up and the guy who's writing the book of Hebrews is looking back on what Jesus has done and explaining it. Now remember, uh, Exodus is all about Egypt, uh, sorry Israel being in slavery in Egypt, but God rescues them. Now, Now get a look at this. This is talking about what Christ has done for us. Uh, verse 14 don't worry about the first bit it doesn't won't make too much sense so uh, since the children have flesh and blood he that's Jesus too shared in their humanity Jesus became a man basically so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death that is the devil and this is so Exodus free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death Israel needed rescuing from Egypt. But then that points forward to what we need. We need rescuing from Satan, the devil, and the death that he brings, from our sin that enslaves us, that we constantly live against God our own way, and and we're slaves to it. We we keep on doing it, living against God. And there in Hebrews 2 talks about our slavery to the fear of death, that we are all unavoidably afraid of the fact that one day we will die. Jesus came to rescue us from that. You know, if you go to see a three D three D film at the cinema, I I always like to take off my glasses. What does it look like that? Yeah, thank you. Not the only one who does that. And it's always disappointing because you take them off and you're like, oh, it's just kind of fuzzy. But I can kind of see what's going on. And then you put three D glasses on, it's like, oh, it's coming at me. That's what happens. Reading, thinking about Christ and His rescue through Exodus is like putting on the three D glasses. It brings into this. Full, three-dimensional, dimensional clear picture of what Christ has done. So Israel looked at the Exodus story and they said, Look, God's revealed himself through his rescue. That's what our God is like. That's who he is. Our God is the Exodus God. And what we're going to do is look through the Exodus rescue to the, the cross rescue in Jesus and say, Well, God has supremely revealed what he's like through that rescue. And we can see through Exodus, through to Christ, that's our God. He's the God who rescues us in Christ. He's the one who loves us. He's the one who's powerful and so on. That's the God we worship. So each week in our study, and you'll see there's a little box in our study, we will go, okay, how does this rescue and what we see about God here point us forward to Jesus, the big ultimate rescue. So do you want to know God better? Do you want to go deeper in your relationship with him? So that when you're suffering, when you're in fighting your sin in the face of death itself, so that then you can be sure that you can trust him. Do you want to know him deeper? Well, then let him show you who he is. Reveal through this Exodus rescue that points forward to the rescue in Christ. Now, let me give you um, an overview of the whole book in six easy-to-remember installments. All right, And we are going to say this out loud. I'm going to do this every week. and then after eight weeks or whatever that we're doing this, you will be able to go, "Oh yeah, Exodus. I oh, know Exodus. It's like this, this, this and this. That's a lot of Exodus. Okay, We're going to do this together. These cute little pictures go with. It. All right. So Exodus goes like this, part one. God hears, God speaks, God rescues. God speaks again. God speaks again again, God comes down. Okay, that's Exodus. That's 40 chapters. Check it out. All right, I'm going to say that again, then we're going to do it together. This is fun. God hears, God speaks, God rescues. God speaks again, God speaks again, again, God comes down. That's the fun bit at the end. Anyway, right. Okay, we're going to do this together. You ready? God hears, God God speaks, God rescues. God God speaks speaks again. again, God speaks again, again, God comes down. Let's do it again. God hears, God speaks, God rescues, God speaks again, God speaks again again, God comes down. Okay, these two tables. God hears, God speaks, God rescues, God speaks again, God speaks again again, God comes down. These two tables. God hears, God speaks, God rescues, God speaks again, God speaks again again, God comes down. Middle table, you're special. You ready? God hears. God speaks. God rescues. God speaks again. God speaks again, again. God comes down. There'll be prizes for those men. <laughs> there won't be. But we'll do that each week. And then that, that is helpful because then um, you know when you come to a book like Exodus, you know where you are. But also, as we go through, you'll go, okay, we're in the God hears section. Oh, we're in the God speaks again section and the again, again. Yeah, he does speak again, again. You'll, you'll, you'll see what it's all about. Okay, so today, we are in section one. Uh, um, Yeah, we're uh, we're in that. Did those wrong way around. We're in God Hears, okay? So we're looking at chapters one and two. So, we've done big picture, here's what Exodus is about. Now we're just going to spend ten minutes on um, chapters one and two, which is what you're going to be then looking at in your studies, okay? So, let's turn to Exodus chapter one begin at the beginning. And I'm going to read down to verse 14. Okay, Exodus 1, page 58. Let's read. These are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob, each with his family. Reuben, Simeon, Levi and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun and Benjamin, Dan and Naphtali, Gad and Asher. The descendants of Jacob, number 70 in all, Joseph was ordering in Egypt. That's making no sense? Don't worry, it will in a moment. Now, Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then... A new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous, and, if war breaks out, will join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labour, and they built Pithom and Ramses, as store cities for Pharaoh. That is, the Israelites were building those cities under slavery. But the more they were oppressed... The more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar, with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. Okay, let's start with the basics. Where are we in chapter 1? Verse 1 These are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt. Okay, we're in Egypt. That's where we are. Who are we with? Verse 2. Well, we're with Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher, the descendants of Jacob, okay? So, in Genesis, we're going to go to that in a moment, that's the book before this one, there are three big names, Abraham, he had a son, Isaac, he had a son, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, remember that, will come up in your study. Now, Jacob had uh, these 12 children, became the 12 tribes of Israel, if that means anything to you. And they all ended up in Egypt, Joseph in the technical raincoat and all that. Okay, we'll we'll come to that in a moment, at the end of Genesis. So here they are. We've got the 12 sons um, of Jacob, and there they are. But then, verse 7, verse 6, they all die, so some time passes, that generation all dies. Uh, But verse 7, things are going pretty well for their children, children, who are multiplying, and there's more and more of them, and they're really fruitful. So we've got loads of Israelites. But, verse 8... Things go downhill. There's a king who doesn't know Joseph, who the king's liked, and starts treating the Israelites harshly. Now, this is a very interesting start to the book, and you may be thinking, really? We have God's people, the Israelites. They're being really fruitful. There's loads of them, but they're living in Egypt, and things aren't going well. They're under slavery. Now, let me show you why that's a really interesting start to the book. And for that, we need to go to the prequel, which is the book of Genesis. So at the beginning of the book of Genesis, uh, I'm going to summarise some of it, then we're going to look at it. God created everything and it was good. And he had some people, Adam and Eve, who he loved and they loved him and he ruled them and it was all good. Though they lived in his land in the garden, they rebelled against him. They wanted to be kings of their own lives and turned against him. Death entered the world. Sin corrupted everything. So God's people were banished from this beautiful garden land and God's loving presence. But in Genesis 12, God kicked something big off. Let's go to Genesis 12. Key, key, key chapter in the whole Bible story. Page 13. In Genesis 12, God kicks off what we're going to call the big covenant. Covenant is a promise of a relationship, okay? Okay. And God calls this guy Abraham, who became Abraham, and he said, Genesis 12 verse 2, I, uh, sorry, verse 1, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Don't worry about the details. So basically God's saying, through you, Abraham, and through your family, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, there's going to be this new group of people who are going to be my people. I'm going to lovingly rule you, you're going to love me, and it's all going to be great, and you're going to live in this new land, Canaan. This is the big covenant. Look out for that. But, go back to our situation in Egypt. Well, how's the big covenant promise looking? Well, we've got Israel. This is the people descended from Abraham. And there's loads of them, like God promised, they'd be really fruitful. But where are they? They are not in the promised land. They're in Egypt. And they're not being blessed. And they're not being a blessing. They're being cursed. They're under slavery. So things aren't going very well. And you're going to think about that more in your study. But there's one more thing to tell you about the prequel that's really important. Turn over to chapter 15, just a few pages over. Uh, page 16, chapter 15, verse 13. And here's what God does. Not only does He promise that all oh, this amazing blessing, this coven- big covenant relationship, is all going to be this new people. God actually promises that this whole Exodus slavery rescue thing is going to happen. God actually says it's all going to happen. Exodus, uh, sorry, Genesis 15, verse 13. Then the Lord said to Abraham, "Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants, Israel." will be strangers in a country, not their own, Egypt, and that they will be enslaved and ill-treated there. He predicts it. Here we go, but we, we get a prediction of the rescue too. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. So God promises in Genesis that Exodus is going to happen. Last bit in the prequel. Go to the very last page of Genesis. Genesis chapter 50. This is the prequel, so it's always good to look at what just happened on the other page. Genesis 50, verse 24, we've got Joseph and his brothers, those 12 guys who get mentioned on the next page in Exodus 1. And Joseph refers to this promise of the Exodus rescue again. Then Joseph said to his brothers, verse 50, verse 24, I'm about to die. God will surely come to our aid and take you up out of this land there in Egypt to the land he promised on oath to. Here they are again, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to our aid and then you must carry up my bones from this place. So there they are in Egypt and Joseph says, you guys, we've got to believe God's going to keep his promise. God will surely come to our aid. God will surely come to our aid. He made a big covenant to our great-great-granddad Abraham. He will come to our aid. He is going to rescue us. Now, if you ever waited for someone to turn up, and you start to wonder if they're going to turn up, and you're like, 10 minutes, okay, maybe they're going to turn up, and then half an hour, you're like, yeah, yeah maybe they'll turn up, and eventually you start believing. Well, imagine how the Israelites began to feel in Egypt. Joseph gets them all to say, yeah, God's going to turn up. He's going to come and rescue us. But then that generation died. And then a few hundred years start to tick on. And don't you think they're hoping God's promise would start to shrink with every fall of the whip on their backs? They think, is God really going to keep his big covenant promise and rescue us and take us into the promised land and be our God? Maybe you feel the same waiting for God to act. You you know that Christ has set us free from our slavery to the fear of death, from our slavery to sin, but doesn't feel like it. You still feel enslaved. Is God going to keep his promises? Is he able to? And as time goes on, your hope begins to run out. Is God trustworthy? What's his character like? Well, God's not just going to tell you. He's going to show you. So let's turn to our studies and find out what God does. Let me pray, and then we'll get into our groups. Heavenly Father, we want to see now whether you're trustworthy, what you're like. We confess we we do find it hard to trust you a lot of the time. And the Israelites clearly found that hard too. So, Lord, in our difficulty and in the challenges we face in life, I pray that now you would Show us what you're like. Can we trust you? Please show us from your word, in Jesus' name. Amen.